You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. I didn't share this in first service, but I will tell you this, that um, I started going to Christian Ministries Church. Rick and I were in um, a, a, a church that was actually much closer to our home than, than CMC was when we started going there. But we, um, we knew that we were kind of needing to find a new church home. Um, but I had a friend give me a set of CDs. Of course, nobody listens to those anymore. But um, a set of CDs that was Tim's Parenting Series. And before I ever stepped foot in Christian Ministries Church, I had listened to Tim's parenting series probably six or eight times. When I got it, I listened to the first session, and there were like eight sessions there. It was a long series. I listened to the first one three times in a row. I mean, I just listened to it, started over. Listened to it, started over. It changed my whole life. And I I thought to myself, man, if this is the kind of stuff they're teaching, the kind of stuff that when I turn this CD player off, I can walk into my living room and actually do what he just said, that's the kind of thing I want. And so Christian Ministries Church has changed our lives. And I absolutely am indebted uh, to Tim and Terry for that. Um, Our pastors, Ashley and Michelle, are equally as awesome, and we love them so much. You know what I love about, uh, about them is that they are easy to follow. Um, I'm not saying that it's, you know, easy, you know, but, but they love people. They love the Lord, and it, it, you can't deny that when you, you are around them. So they're such wonderful people, and it's such a privilege and an honor to just be part of what CMC is doing, whether it's in Missouri or whether it's here. But thank you so much for coming out today. Um, I am excited about what I have to share with you. Uh, my name is Melanie Bertolio, and I do a lot of different things at the, the church in Missouri. And um, I haven't always done what I do now, um, and, and we'll kind of get to some of that in just a, a minute. But I want to tell you a little bit about me. I, uh, Tim mentioned that I, I sang at Silver Dollar City for a number of years. Before that, um, I actually went to college and got a degree in education. And I taught in the public school system for two years. And then I went to work at Silver Dollar City. And that was for the next 20 to 25 years, basically. Um, my parents really thought they wasted all that money they spent on that education. But I am now the principal of our school at CMA. I am the worship leader. I've been doing, I've been leading worship there for about 15 years now. And, um, and then I, I speak periodically, um, uh, and do a lot of different things there. I love every last minute of it. Um, my husband, Rick, and I have been married for in November, it will be 30 years. And so we've, we've been doing this for a while. Yeah, um, we, we, we've got a lot to be grateful for in our life. We have three children. Uh, we have two boys. They just turned 19. They're twins for those. <laughs> we get that question a lot. Oh, so, so they're twins. Uh, yes, that's when they're the same age. That's what that means. Um, 
so we've got twin boys and that are 19. We have a daughter that's 20. She'll be 21 in a couple of months. And so um, we were we dealt with some fertility issues. Uh, so we didn't have our children until we were well into our 30s. And so we're 10 to 15 years older than most people who have kids the age of our kids. But it's all good. I, I do think that keeps you young and and tired, but it keeps you young. And so uh, there's that. <laughs> Um, so we, we've got a great life. Um, God's been good to us. We, uh, we have a lot to be grateful for in our lives. So all that said, I want to get right to what we're going to talk about. Um, I'm a teacher. I I actually have the degree to be a teacher. I went for, I did the five-year plan in college, but I got a, a degree in, um, English and then I got a degree in business education. So I was going to be a teacher somehow, some way for sure. Uh, but I did not need the degree to be a teacher. And there's some of you in this room that know exactly what I'm talking about. You're a teacher, and maybe you don't have the degree, maybe you do. But the fact of the matter is, you were born a teacher. You were always going to be a teacher. You didn't need to go to college to be a teacher. You're just a teacher. It's a gift that's inside of you. My kids would tell you that I am a teacher. They didn't even know me as teacher mom or as teacher until, you know, much until they were probably 10 years old, 10, 12 years old. But they knew I was a teacher. Why? Because everything was a teaching moment, and it still is. And I, I, I don't apologize for that. That's just who I am. But I'm a teacher. So as a teacher, I have students. That's, that's what you need when you're a teacher. You need students. And so I get students, and my students come to me in, in the school at CMA. Uh, they come with a lot of different abilities. They come with different intellects. They come with different home background lives, different experiences. And some of those are really great experiences. Some of those are terrible, terrible experiences. They come with different attitudes. They come with, uh, they come from different economic backgrounds. You know, some of them have homes where money is not a problem. Some of them come from homes where money is always a problem. They have different social skills. Just come to me with just such a variety of different things that make them individually who they are. And when my students come to me, they have three things in common. The first one is that they are all my students. All right, so when they come in the room, they're all my students. Number two, they all get assignments. Every single kid in the class gets an assignment. I don't ever look over here at... At, at this one and say, you know what? He's just not a great reader. So I, I'm not going to make him read the book. Everybody else can read the book. He doesn't have to read the book because he's not a great reader. No, he gets the assignment just like everybody else. If I've got a, a, a kid over here that's not a great writer, you know what? She isn't a great writer. She's never going to write a novel. I don't, I'm not even trying to get her there. I acknowledge that she's not a great writer, but the fact of the matter is if you're in my class, you have to write. Everybody gets the assignment. There's no exceptions to that. No free passes based on, on abilities or gifts within you. Everybody gets the assignment. So you might think, well, if they all get the assignment, then, then surely you have different expectations of each one. No, because how could you do that? My, I have the exact same expectation for every kid. And it's not that they all get an A. Because the fact is that there will be some A's in the class. There will be some C's in the class. There will be probably some F's in the class, if we're being honest. But the expectation is always the same. 
do the assignment and do it to the very best of your ability. That's it. All right. So I've got a kid who's not really great at reading, but he has to read the novel and then he has to write the book review on the novel. You know what? He may give it 100% of his effort. He may do it completely to the very best of his ability. He might get a C. Because there's no guaranteed outcome for each of these kids. None whatsoever. But the expectation never changes. You do the assignment and you do it to the very best of your ability. So outcomes will not be the same expectations never change. But then there's a third thing that they all have in common. And it's this. They walk into my classroom, ordinary people. They're just ordinary people. That's, that's what the title of, of this message is, is ordinary people. They come in, ordinary people. They walk up to a teacher who is an ordinary person. Now, we have a hard time thinking that we're ordinary because we're in a culture that wants everybody to be so unbelievably unique and, and, and incredible in some way that every, nobody else is. But the truth is that we are ordinary people, and it's okay. It's just, it's okay. Jesus was an ordinary guy. And that's a hard concept to get because we are talking about the Savior of the world. But he was an ordinary guy. It tells us that. In uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, it says, There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. We have such a hard time imagining that, I, I do, maybe it's just me, but Seriously, Jesus is on the same, well, he was on the same level of humanity as me. But that's what it says. And so if it says it, I'm going to choose to believe it. So I'm going to say that Jesus was ordinary. It's okay that I'm ordinary. If you Google the definition of ordinary, it's this. It says no special or distinctive features. Normal. Normal. Now, we all want some special and distinctive features. And what's funny is we all want different special and distinctive features than what we actually have, because we all have some, but we're looking for something different. And I would personally like to think there's something unique or special about me. But it says that an ordinary person has no special or distinctive features, and it says they're normal. That one I'm actually good with, because I got to thinking about it, the alternative is to be abnormal. So I'll take normal. So when my kids walk into the classroom for the very first time, I'm just expecting ordinary students to walk in the door. There's one of my former ordinary students sitting right over there, Mr. Glenn Fancher, and he was, he was ordinary and extraordinary all at the same time. I love old Glenn. I'm so glad he's down here. But when my kids walk in the room, they come with a variety of different gifts. They come with so many different things that contribute to who they are. They all, you know, I don't know when they walk in, do they go to bed at a decent time at night? I mean, do they get a good night's sleep every night? That, that, that plays into 
what goes on in the classroom in a huge way. Do they eat well or are, do the parents just, you know, is little Debbie their best friend? You know, I don't know. So I, there's a lot of things that contribute, but they, they are all just ordinary kids. But the expectations are the same. They're the same. Do the assignment. Do it to the very best of your ability. You do not have to be some special class of individual or have some unique intellect to be able to do the assignment. You show up, you accept the assignment, and you do it to the best of your ability. I think that sums up people that I've, I've had in my life for many, many years. And I really hope it's what people would say about me one day. They, uh, Melanie, you know, she really wasn't the best choice there, but by golly, she showed up. She accepted the, the assignment and she did it the best that she could do. I mean, there's a lot of times when somebody better was available, but they weren't volunteering. And so, there you go. <laughs> I think too many Christians in the world today are trying so hard. They are looking so hard for what makes them special and unique. And they're looking for this grand assignment. I want you to think about this. We have this idea in our mind of what it is that we're going to do for the kingdom of God. And nobody, when they're thinking about that, envisions scrubbing the toilets out. But it has to be done. It has to be done. We're all looking for something grand and we're missing the everyday assignment that's right in front of us. I mean, we... We get, you know, we come in and you see the announcements flashing across the screen and, and you know what the needs are in the church and you have heard so many times. I mean, it, I'm just going to base this off of what, what's going on at CMC in Missouri. We need work, nursery workers. We need coffee shop help. We need parking lot attendants. We need uh, security people. We need someone to, to come in and help set certain things up. I mean, there's a, the list is endless. I mean, what it takes to make Sunday morning happen is unbelievable. The, the number of people that it takes to make this happen. And we have people all the time that sit through and listen to this over and over and over again. And, and yet I have heard so many of those people that I see, because I'm on the worship team, I'm standing up here, I know you were sitting there listening to that, I know you heard it. And then you, you walk up to them and they're just like, you know, I just don't know what it is that is my gift. What am I called to do? We just told you, we just said it three times. But we're all looking for something grand. We want Abraham assignments. That's what we want. We want Abraham assignments. In Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those 
who treat you with contempt and all the families on the earth will be blessed through me, Abraham, me. I mean, we're all looking, that's what we're looking for. What is it, God? Show me the great big grand picture and the, the huge thing that you want to do. Make me famous. Now, none of us are going to actually admit that, that we're looking for that kind of acknowledgement. But I've been around a long time now, and I, I, I'm just telling you, we want those Genesis 12 assignments, but we don't want Genesis 22 assignments. Genesis 22, verse 2 says, Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. We're not looking for those kind of assignments, are we? We're not looking for sacrificial assignments. We're looking for beneficial assignments. Those things that benefit us. Those things that elevate us. Those things that promote us. It's not what God's looking for. We're in a culture that tells people. And this is not just America. This is now a global thing. You know, I mean... There are people on social media platforms that, that, that are followed by the millions who are on the other side of the globe. I mean, we have that kind of connection. And, and, and the global culture it tells you that if you're not famous, if you don't have followers, that you're not significant. Jesus Christ and the cross make you significant. Nothing else. Nothing else. Me standing up here talking to you does not make me significant. Being on the worship team, standing on this stage in front of you every week, got a lot of talent up there, but that does not make anybody significant. Nothing I do makes me significant. Jesus Christ and the cross make me significant. They make you significant. So the doing is important, but it doesn't really matter what the doing is. We just got to be looking for the assignment. And the assignment is often, often right in front of you. It doesn't matter if I'm acknowledged See, you see me right now. You don't know how many times I've scrubbed a toilet at Christian Ministries Church in Missouri. I'm the principal. Where's Stacy? There she is. How much vomit have you cleaned up in your school? Nobody sees that. All they see is this. There's so much more. And guess what? I happen to believe if I wasn't willing to get down and clean up the vomit, I wasn't going to be standing here in front of you today. We're looking for something grand. But you know what? In Luke 12, it says this, Everyone to whom much was given of him, much more will be required. Grand 
Assignments are, go hand in hand with grand responsibilities. And don't think for one moment that you won't be held to account if you're given one of those great big assignments. I want to give you three reality checks about just being ordinary in the kingdom of God. The first one is this. Jesus came as a normal, ordinary guy, and you are nothing more than a normal, ordinary man or woman. Are there things that make you unique? Yes. Are you special? Yes. But are you ordinary? Yes, you are. Number two, God's always used the ordinary. I mean, I think he just thinks it's hilarious to use the ordinary. I do. I mean, you just, I mean, it's like if we just gathered up this room full of people and we just, just g- gathered y'all right here, it's just like God looks and goes, which one is the last one that anybody thinks I would pick? And that's the one he picks. It's what he does. And the third thing is he wants to use you. He wants to use you. That's a daunting statement. In some ways, it has been for me in my life. I didn't ever set out to be a worship leader. Let me just tell you something. I never, ever, not one time, not one time, have gone to our pastor and said, could I teach a class? Could I lead worship? Hey, I think I'd be a good preacher. Can I do that? I'm... I've never gone to him and asked. But you know what I did do? I said yes when he came to me. And I said yes, to be honest with you, to whatever he asked me to do. I just said yes. And, and, and for those of you who are my age or older, you know you've been around enough to see that self-promotion, it doesn't really work. Not in the kingdom. Not in the kingdom. I just said yes. And when I look back at my life, I I realize that everything good that has happened in my life has been because of a good yes. I mean, it was just the result of a good yes. I have a great husband. You know why? Because that was a good yes. I mean, it's true. Everything good has happened because of a good yes. And let me just tell you this. There are good no's. Don't don't misunderstand me. There are good no's. But if you are a parent and you are always a no, you're teaching your children to say no. I get it. There are things that you're probably asked to do occasionally that maybe you don't think you know how to do or, or maybe you don't think you're the best one to do, to do it. I get it. But here's what I'm telling you. Do you know how many things I've done that I didn't know how to do? How many things I went into? I didn't have any idea. I feel like that's every day of my life. It's okay that you don't know how to do something 
But you've got to be willing to do something. And, and everybody has these grand aspirations for their children. They want their children to, to, to do all these wonderful things. Well, their children have watched them say no their whole lives. Every time they were asked to do anything, they said no. You've just taught them to do that. It's important. It's important. And by the way, this is just, I just had this happen. I've had this happen a few times, but it just happened like a week ago. It is not yes to say, well, if you can't find anybody else, I'll do it. That is not yes. Just, I just want to be really clear. Everybody got that? That is not yes. Because what you did when you said that was you just put more work on the person asking you because now they've got to ask every person possible before they come back to you. So that's not a yes. So make sure it's, let your yes be yes and your no be no, would you please? But I've had a lot of opportunities to say yes. I came from, from good stock in that I had parents who said yes. My, my dad, he was the spiritual leader of our home and um, he was, um, he's not that person that just, puts himself out there, but he's also walked in a lot of wisdom. He's always been uh, a man of the word. And so because of that, he was called upon to do different things over the years. And I remember him leading worship. He wasn't comfortable with that, but he did it. I remember him actually speaking a couple of times. He wasn't really comfortable with that, but he did it. He, he led Sunday school. My mother, she volunteered us for the, the cleaning of the church and all that kind of good stuff, but she said yes. So I came from parents who said yes. So I really don't know how not to say yes. And that w- that's been actually, I mean, you think about that, what a blessing that is in my life in so many ways. But my mom one time said yes on my behalf. You ever had that happen? <laughs> yeah. When I was 13, my mom said yes to a, a lady in the church we were going to at the time. She, they got together and decided that they, their, their kids were pretty musical and so that the, they needed to put together this Christian band. And it was me and three other teenagers my own age, some close to my age. I was actually the youngest one, but, um, but they decided to put us in this band. And I remember being so irritated with my mom because... Because quite frankly, it sounded like a lot of fun, but she was telling me I had to do it, so I really just wasn't wanting to for that reason. Um, But I did it. And here's what I can tell you about that yes. It changed my whole life. It set a trajectory for my life. See, I didn't I didn't have music in my on my radar at all. I mean, I like to sing. You know, I mean, I like, I had a hairbrush and I could get with it in front of the mirror, you know, but I didn't have plans to do anything in music at all. But, but she said yes for me. And, and then ultimately I had to agree to that. Yes. But you know what did not happen in that moment? God did not come to me at 13 and say, okay, so here's the deal you're going to be in this, this teenage Christian band for, for three or four years. And then that's going to move you into another where you're going to sing with this group. And then you don't know this yet, but eventually you're going to get a job where you sing for a living. 
And then while you're doing this, you're going to get in this show with this guy who's going to eventually start a church. And when he starts this church, you're not going to believe this, but he's going to take that education that you thought you'd wasted and didn't. And he's going to make you the principal of the school. You're going to be the, the, the worship leader there. You're going to actually speak from the pulpit. You, let me, I have got such big plans for you. This is so great. I'm so glad your mom said yes, because here's here it all is. No, it was get your stuff. We're going to a practice. Get your stuff. We're going to another practice. Get your stuff. We're going to another practice. Guess what? A church has invited you to come and sing at their, at their service. Really? People actually want us to sing? Yes. So we get there. I'm, I'm 13 or 14 at the time. Youngest one in the whole group. And we're like, what do we do? We, we've never done this. You know? So we get up there and we sing a song. We're supposed to sing about three songs. We sing a song. After we get done, people clap. And then we're just all kind of standing there. And then the other three start going, Melanie, say something. Melanie, say something. Say something. And I'm just going... But I I said something. I don't even know what I said. It was probably silly. But I opened my mouth and said something. And then after, after we were done, I was like, you guys should never do that to me again. But here's the deal. God uses every little time that we say yes. See, I didn't have to open my mouth and say something right then. I could have turned around and said, you guys are all older than me. You say something. But I didn't. God used that little tiny yes right there and it changed everything for me and so over time I, I, I there were it was just one good yes after another few bad yeses in there sprinkled in but you know what God honors that good yes he really does so he's not going to lay out the plan see you know think about it like this We all have that, whatever it is, something in us that we think we're probably pretty decent at. I'm not saying you think you're the greatest, but you think that you're pretty decent at whatever this is, all right? But you go and you come to church and you don't see any avenue for that to be used, whatever it is. You don't see any avenue for that to be used. But you do see that they need someone to work in the coffee shop. So you say yes. You know what happens when you go to work in the coffee shop? You go to work in the coffee shop and you meet people that you might have known on a surface level. But while you're there, you begin to get to know those people. Interestingly, they get to know you. And as they get to know you, they begin to to hear what you like. They begin to see what it is that you're good at. They begin to recognize things in you without you walking up and saying, you know, I am an amazing vocalist and I think you should put me on the worship team. No, what happens is someone goes up to, to, to Lucas and says, 
I heard so-and-so singing in the, the coffee shop the other day, and they are really good. And you know what? It might nothing come out of that. But two years later, someone else might be sitting right next to you during worship, and they might go up to someone and say, have you ever heard them sing? They're really good. See, you say yes to what's in front of you, to assignments that are in front of you. Let God take care of the promotion, of the gifting that he's... I mean, the word tells us that your gift will make a way for you. So you don't have to... See, that, that frees me up a lot. I don't have to do that. See, I said yes to doing a whole lot of things that were outside of, of what I do now. But it was all of those things that led me to where I am right now. A few years ago, I had the chance to say yes in a totally different kind of way. Um, Rick and I had sold our house to our pastor's mother. And so we were house hunting and we'd lived in that house. We'd built that house and it was a, it was a decent house, but it was nothing fancy at all. And so we were on the hunt for a a house, but we really wanted land more than anything. We wanted land. We don't know why we want land. We're not farmers. We're not, we don't know why we just knew that we never, nobody in our families, either one of our families had ever owned land. So we wanted some, we just thought that would be super cool. So we were looking for land and just having absolutely no luck. And we had looked for probably a year, I think, somewhere around that, somewhere close to that. And um, so we finally uh, kind of started veering off and looking at other things. And so we'd looked at several homes and, and different things. We finally found this house and it was a beautiful home and it was well beyond the house that we had lived in. It was a beautiful, beautiful home. Uh, and it was, um, it had a, a great big shop building and, but more, most importantly to our, our boys, it had a basketball court. And I mean, it was a, a poured cement basketball court with goals at both ends. It's not like it was part of the driveway and they just stuck. It was a, just a basketball court. And my boys just, I mean, that sold the house to them. And so, um, we looked at it, but it was only on four acres, now, technically, it was more than what we had before because we were on three and a half. But, you know, that's not actually buying land. So, um, so, but we just, we were kind of weary of the hunt. And so, we made an offer on it. And so, a day or two or something goes by. Well, anyway, one evening, just a day or two after we'd made this offer... And it was a good offer. We thought that there was no way they would turn it down, honestly, because it was almost a full price offer. And, um, but Rick said something one night at the house and he said, I, I just, I've got, he just had a quickening in his spirit. That's, it might not be the wisest decision to make. And so, um, very next day, the realtor calls me and she said, okay, so here's the deal. Um, they have countered your offer. So they didn't accept our offer. They countered back. And what they countered back with was just, I mean, it was so close to what we'd offered to start with. And the fact was that if you'd have told me a week ahead of, or before that, that that's what they would counter with, I would have thought we would have been owning that home, you know. But after Rick had said what he said that night, I was like, I don't know. And so, but, but when I hung up the phone, I knew that I'd heard from the Lord. 
And he had asked me a question. And the question was, are you going to let your husband do what I have created him to do and lead your family and make this decision? Now, you, you may have picked up on it, but I, I like to make the decisions. <laughs> and so, but I knew that I'd heard from God. I knew it. So I hang up, I, I told the realtor, I said, well, listen, I'm going to have to call Rick and, and uh, I'll, I'll talk to him first and I'll, I'll, I'll call you back. And so I call Rick and he's at work and I'm explaining everything to him and and I, I mean, I just, it was just welling up within me to keep your mouth shut, Mel. Don't tell him what you think needs to happen here. Let him hear from God. He's quite capable of that. And so I just presented it and he said, well, I just don't know. And in that moment, I did a very un-Melanie-like thing. And I said, you know the shepherd's voice and a stranger's voice you will not follow. Make the decision and let me know what it is. If, if it's no, I will believe with my whole heart that you have saved us from calamity or that you are, are, are positioning us for something greater. But you make the decision and you will hear from God on this. So the realtor keeps calling me, and she's like, they need to know, they need to know. And I, I would call him, and, and he would just be like, I just, I have not, I, I don't have a clear answer yet. And I would say, you know the, the shepherd's voice. And the kids would, were in, the, we were all in the car when all this is going on. It was a whole day of driving. And so they were just like, mom, mom, no, it has, yes. I said, you listen to me, your dad is going to hear from God on this, and he's going to make a decision that will be the absolute best decision that could have ever been made for this family. And so whatever he ma- decision he makes, that we're going to be grateful for it. And so as the day went on, we, he fi- finally talked to him, and he said, I think it's a no. I said, great. Hung up the phone, called the realtor, said, move it on to the next person. Because they had a line of people wanting uh, to make, or that made offers after us. So they were really pressuring us for a decision. The kids were all upset and everything, but I, I told them, your dad heard from God. He heard from God. So we go on about our business and we keep doing our errands and stuff. And I tried to call, started trying to call Rick for a couple hours. I couldn't get a hold of him. And finally, when I did, I said, where are you at? He said, well, you're not going to believe it. He said, I'm walking around on 20 acres that's five miles from the church. And he said, we, we've been, it's on Zillow and it's been on there for two weeks. How did we not see this? Because we lived on there. And so he said he'd already called the realtor. And I mean, within two weeks, we bought that property. We had 20 acres. We had been wanting land all this time and all God was doing in for me was giving me an opportunity to say yes to him no to me and let my husband do 
what he was designed to do and lead our family. So we bought this land. It's wonderful. We start working on our plans to, to build a house on it. We got a great deal on this land. Great deal on this land. We start making our plans. We've got our house. I mean, we were two weeks out. We had everything ready to go to start building this house. And we see this, this house come up on, because we couldn't stay off of realtor.com and Zillow. You know how that goes. So we kept looking. We see this house with 43 acres and two big, nice outbuildings running water on it. Just such a cool deal. We go, and a few months after we buy that land, we wind up buying this house. So we now own a house, two big, big outbuildings, and 63 acres of land, all for significantly less than what that other house was going to cost for a house on four acres. I'm telling you, saying yes, whatever the yes is, See, that was, a, that was the kind of yes for me that was really hard. Someone comes up and asks me to, to, to do something that's going, where there are going to be people involved. That's not a hard yes for me at all. I mean, as long as I'm hanging out with people, I'm good. But when God asks me to zip my lip, that is not an easy yes for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Whatever the yes is, some of you are, are here every Sunday. You love what you're getting. What are you giving? You're so grateful for what you're getting, but what are you giving? We've got to learn to say yes, and it's not going to start well, it's not going to start where it's going to end. You don't know what that yes is going to lead to. Here's what I do believe. I believe it's going to lead to you actually finding out what the gift and call on your life is. See, everybody's trying to know the gift and call on their life so they can know what to say yes to, and it's, you got it backwards. You've got to say yes and you've got to say yes over and over and over again. And as you do that, I'm telling you, God will open up the heavens and shine a light down on what that is. And you won't even see him do it. We have to, I mean, it, it's the whole idea of missing the forest for the trees. All right. You have opportunities, and that's what you need to be looking for every single day. I'm not looking for a gift and a call. I'm looking for an opportunity to serve people. I'm looking for an opportunity to, to, to serve God in some way. And if it's, if it's in the coffee shop, great. If it's in the welcome center, great. Whatever it is, say yes. See, when you say no, you're really saying a whole lot more about your faith in God than you are about your own ability. See, there have been a lot of times when I've been asked to do things I didn't know how to do. But I serve a God who does. And, and he puts me around other people. I mean, 
I will tell you this, the more you say yes, the more you'll find yourself around yes people. And yes people are awesome people. You want something done in your life, find the busiest person you know and ask them to do it. Because they'll make it happen. But the more you say yes, the more you will discover the gift and the call. I didn't know when I was 13 that I was going to wind up here today. And I don't know where I'm going to be in 20 years, but I believe in, I have enough faith in God to think, who knows? I mean, seriously, I am a young 54-year-old. I got lots of life ahead of me. I'm not even 54. I'm 53. Why did I say that? But I just turned 53. Weird. Um, But I'm telling you, I don't intend to stop. I am going, you know, you've seen that thing on, on social media where you're just going to come sliding into the grave, diving in. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm just bold enough to believe that this, this is, is, is a stop for me on the way to something that God wants me to do. And it may end at cleaning the toilets. I don't know. All I know is if I'm serving him and loving his people, it's a good yes. It's a good, good yes. So, don't ever say or think, I'm just an ordinary old person. I don't know how to do that. This is just a side note, and I'm going to say it real quick. But, but Chris Stowe, that is going to be producing your show, your Christmas program, she's about this tall. I don't know how many of you have seen her. Okay, she's about this tall. She's a dancer. I don't know if you know, but in the dance world, they like for you to be about this tall. And she could have, could have settled for, well, I can't do that. But when God put that in front of her, she said yes. And she said yes... I mean, and, and I have watched her, and I, I would love for you all some time to actually get to see her. When, when Silver Dollar City used to do the big Christmas production, she was the one that did the beautiful. But if she listened to, to the world and the culture, she would have automatically just removed herself from that yes. But she went on to be a... a a very successful person, but she blessed people with her gift. She's going to bless you all with her gift and it's going to be wonderful. I'm just saying, yes, a good yes is so important. I'm fully convinced that every single one of us has something. God wants to do something extraordinary through us, but it doesn't mean we have to to look extraordinary. It doesn't mean we're, we're all trying to be so unique Let him bring that out of us. Let's quit trying to promote ourselves and let him do the the heavy lifting there. Um, So no, none of this business of I'm just an ordinary person or if if it's not something that, that gets me acknowledgement and gets me noticed, then it's not worth doing. God wants to use each and every one of us. And my encouragement to you today is this. Say 
yes. Look for opportunities to say yes. That's all I got. Would you all stand? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for um, your ability in us. Thank you that you've given us so many examples of people who've just been ordinary, who did amazing and extraordinary things for your kingdom, not because they had anything special about them, God, but because they were willing to say yes to you. Lord, would you just help each one of us to do that? Would you help us to see the opportunities? Because some of us have just grown to the point where we don't even look. Help us to see the opportunities to say yes. Help us to see the opportunities, God, to be used to grow your kingdom. And help us, God, to to desire nothing more than for you to get every bit of the fame and every bit of the recognition and acknowledgement, God, because you alone deserve that. Lord, help us to hear from you and to say yes. We thank you, God, for being with us this week. We just pray a blessing over everyone in this building right now, God, and we thank you for a great week ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great week. Thank you. Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.